everyone, welcome to the Blood Jams <laughs> audio book. Here we are. Audio book. Um, author's notes. You may be wondering, hey Amy, how did you come to uh, write a hundred thousand word new adult fantasy novel? Like what? What led you here? And I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically. There was a little period in my life, I think I was 15, and there was, um, we didn't have any lucky for a bit, um, and I didn't know, like, what to do, I didn't know what to do with myself, we didn't have any books either, so, but we had a dictionary, and I read the dictionary, like, over and over again. So I was very, I was in I was in the mining mountains of Arigna. I, I should have said that in um, the Republic of Ireland. So there was nothing around at all. Um, so yeah, I just read read the dictionary for a bit, um, for a long time, and become like I, I just love words. I love that there's so many different words that I'd never I just heard love of. Words. <laughs> I loved I loved uh, finding out all about the words, and I got it into my head that. If I just studied language, words, writing, reading, I could become a best-selling author and I could solve all my family's problems. That was my motive. That was my... So my teenage years were spent obsessing over words and trying to become a best-selling author so that I could fix everything. That was pretty and much... how did that one work out? It didn't work. <laughs> um... <laughs> But you can, so I, I wrote one, didn't work, I was 15, um, and I, I picked myself up and I was like, the next one, be fine, like just learn from your mistakes, become better, so I did that, um, and that was the second book, and I spent all, m- many years on this, this is the, the um, Blood Charms book, it's been professionally edited, um, it has a Scouse protagonist, what, yep, wow. Um, and I will be voicing this girl's protagonist, so I'm so sorry about that, uh, Liverpool. But this hey, is what happens when you don't pick books up. I wrote. So I was homeless when I wrote this. When I started writing it, I was homeless. This is my. I'm like so a bit of a bother. I thought it's just sitting on my laptop, so I better like, may as well put it out there. And you know, even if it is shit, there's something to be said in the merit of I wrote this homeless. <laughs> Trying to uh, really, really try in to make me and my family not homeless. So, you know, 10 out of 10 for effort. Um, yeah, anything to add? Um, get ready to go on an adventure. Yeah, cosmic scouts are like this, what? Listeners, be ready for an adventure. <laughs> I rock, I knew the darkness was coming for it. Not saying the sea, I know. Oh, I'm gone. So this is the preface or preface, depending on your socioeconomic status or status, depending on your geographical location. <laughs> the seer. A rocker knew the darkness was coming for her. She was the last living seer in Andorra. She was a threat to any evil that wished to remain hidden and she would die soon because of it. She knew it with a surety that left her bones feeling dense. Thanks to the dream spider silk inside her pillowcase, 
A vision had come blurring through that night to tear her from slumber. A blackened sun, bodies mangled between man and beast. A mountain of death. The sea flung from her tattered blankets, indifferent to the toll the visions had taken on her ageing body, and hurried into the night to harvest two vital things. Blood berries, to give her apparitions life, and harper's grass, to set the spell alight. The third and most crucial ingredient was already in her possession, hidden in one of the many jars and bottles scattered around her home, if such a dwelling could be called a home carved from the rammed dirt of a hillock in Castava Forest, just a warped door to give away its being there. No, no, no! Eroka hissed, picking through every container she owned, discarding them over her shoulder to smash onto the ground. There was no time left for delicacies. Where is it? I don't know what voice she's got. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> It'd be funny if we give her, like, cock nerve. Where the fuck is it? <laughs> What is it like? <laughs> the seer lifted another jar into the candlelight. Vision glass. Ground into an iridescent dust. Oh, thank peace, she cried. Araka sat back on her heels, gathered her ingredients and emptied them into a shallow bronze dish. She reached for the nearest candle and lowered it towards the bowl, beginning her incantation. Fires burns of Vera's veil, may sight from times to come avail. Whisper now a message clear, open the gates to your humble seer. The harper's grass sparked and a flame bowled in the dish. This Araka sounds very familiar. What? <laughs> she sounds very familiar. <laughs> Why? It's true, isn't it? <laughs> it was just you whispering. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Nothing deeper should than I, that. <laughs> <should> <laughs> <I give laughs> Literally nothing deeper what? than you was should whispering. I give a, should, I, should I speak like I'm from London? No, not unless she's from London. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's from Zephira. What does that sound like? Just say they exactly. sound like from people from St. Helens. <laughs> from from one, okay, yeah. A rocker hunched over, wisps of long grey hair spilling forward, her nails grinding into the dirt. Smoke filled her nostrils, filled the gaps between every tooth. Please, send me something. <laughs> Anything, I beg you. Tell me this darkness will come to pass. I thought that was me, the narrator, but that was her. Tell me this darkness will come to pass. <laughs> <laughs> she exhaled, slow and controlled through the pain. I thought that was her exhaling. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the exhaling, Sophia. <laughs> oh, sorry. She exhaled, slow and controlled through the pain. Even as the glass dust rose with the smoke, clinging to her dilated pupils, she dared not blink. Iroka welcomed the sting. Messages only came through once she had passed a threshold, be it of pain, or sanity, or sleep. Her mind leapt over the brink, free-falling into another realm. <laughs> free-falling! The seer's eyes flashed black. She collapsed backwards into a convulsing heap, form oozing over her cracked, parted lips. It came to her then, reeling fast behind her sockets. A place far from here, where birds of copper were worshipped like peacekeepers, and machines sped with the agility of wild beasts. Next, she saw Solaris, encased in his amber tomb, gaunt from the passing of decades, all hope gone from his stir. Oroka gasped, 
her own breath grating her throat. She turned onto her side, heaving herself up with shaky limbs. It took everything from her to gain a vision like that. One so life-changing. So world-shattering. She got up, suppressing all desire to rest a while in the dirt, knowing exactly where she needed to go. I have to tell them. <laughs> she straightened. And then behind her, the front door burst inward, splintering across the ground. A rock had dropped to her knees again, biting back yelps of pain as she landed on broken glass. They had come for her. The poor lighting and dishevelled decor would keep her hidden for a matter of seconds, but she could not cower there for long. The man in the doorway appeared regular in stature, and not too young either, but a rocker could feel something radiating from him that made her soul quiver. A deep-set, incomprehensible evil. When he stepped further into the candlelight, she saw that his eyes were the yellow of forest creatures. His hooked fingernails gripped the outside of his leg with barely concealed rage. Come out, come out, wherever you are, see you. <laughs> you all sound like they're from St. Allen's, don't they? Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Come out. Oh. Come out, cock. I'm so happy to give St. Allen's representation in this form. But what you've done is made St. Allen's people people from a different planet. Yeah. <laughs> Which they are, to be honest, yeah. aren't they? Come out, come out, come out, wherever you are, see it you. It doesn't help with the tension. <laughs> is that not creepy, though? Like imagine if you heard that outside, you'd be like, ooh, no, Johnny it, Vegas, even, yeah. <laughs> even, even in like such a threatening scenario, it almost seems warm nah, and welcoming. You, you wouldn't laugh at that if you heard that. If you were in air, if you're in air position, you heard that. Come out. <laughs> <laughs> Come out wherever you are, see ya. Audible. The voice made a rock of skin crawl. Told you. <laughs> she searched the floor around her desperately finding her aid in a pile of smoke stones. She gathered a handful, bringing with her the longest shard of glass she could see. A rocker took the deepest of breaths, one of her last, she realised, stomach lurching, but it didn't matter. This was bigger than her, bigger than anything Zephira had ever known, and it was her solitary duty to ensure the rest of the world received her message. The prophecy could not die here, unheard. The man took a step towards her, blackened lips twisting into a sinister smile. There you are! <laughs> a rocker shot up, her heart shivered with fear. Something animalistic ripped through her and she stormed ahead. The man laughed, poising himself to strike, splaying his clawed fingers wide. A rocker held the smoke stones as he leapt into the distance between them. A thick blue fog clogged the room, blinding, disorientating, but she found the opening where her door had been. She felt the cold breath of night, and then something gripped around her shoulder, ripping her backwards into the haze. She lashed frantically on her back, praying that her shoddy weapon would gain purchase, and it did. It sunk into the man's flesh, making him growl. <laughs> A spark of victory surged through Iroka's veins, giving her strength. Strength to swing her legs beneath her. Strength to lurch to her feet. The smoke thinned. Iroka could see her attacker now, crouched on the ground before her. She released a violent kick, 
the man pitching forward to meet the impact, but it did not stop him. It only seemed to incense him. His teeth sunk into her stomach, ripping clean across. The seer screeched, hammering her blade down into his face, neck and shoulders. Blood poured from her wound, painting her attacker's face, making his eyeballs roll back with wild delight. She held him aside while he revelled in the taste of her, stumbling to the door with her hands pressed against her torn stomach, against her own entrails. Whoa. Such a goth. <laughs> Everything was fed into black. The trees ahead swayed with her in a final dance of death. She was more flood. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. She was more flooded with pain than anything else. More agony than flesh and blood. Her hands were dripping wet. Her feet were so so heavy. She collapsed against the nearest tree, clinging to keep herself upright. There was still time. Her hands searched for a hollow, fingers slipping inside the bark. She pressed her lips against the hole, whispering the prophecy inside. A grave new world of blackness born, from which the brightest sun is torn. A saviour comes to light and night, surrounded by a glow of white. Aroka heaved in a breath, forcing herself to continue even though every inch of her was ready to give up. Ready to die. Loyal until the end of quest. Courage far above the rest. Unquestioning their heart will be. Before the pass of decades three. She slid down to the roots. Feeling her words reverberate in the trunk behind her skull. They spiralled upwards. Into the tips of the branches. Then rustled through the leaves. A grave new world of blackness born. The surrounding trees absorbed the words, their own leaves reciting her prophecy until the whole place was alive with whispers. The sound was mesmerising, haunting. A saviour comes to light at night, a saviour comes to light at night. The words swelled and spread, growing ever louder. They would make it to the outskirts of the forest, to the villages beyond. It would give the people of Zephira hope. Unquestioning their heart will be, unquestioning their heart will be, unquestioning. She had done it, and now, on the brink, a final vision came. Eroka saw everything, bloodshed and despair, the charms, the file, and the girl whose fate belonged to Zephira. Up ahead, her attacker emerged from the hillock, his expression merciless as he sauntered towards her. You're too late, Eroka managed, the final words of Andorra's last living seer. End of preface. Bosh. Well, that was an action-packed filled, action-packed filled, mm-hmm. action-packed introduction, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's quite the contrast. I like going out. Quite a contrast to chapter one. Mm. That's good though, because you're like, oh fuck, what, what? Has it been three decades now? What's going on? Intrigued. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, well, I know what happens, but it's sick that in the here. Yeah, it's boss. I really did try hard. I, d- I really did. This is the best thing I've ever made. Um, so yeah, chapter one. 
Plumes of fire billowed high against the lofty terrace houses, a mosaic of brick red and rust orange flames. Alarms rang from the car that had been set ablaze as it lost all function, groaned and exploded. There were youths running, fleeing down the entries. They would be long gone before the police arrived, as was always the case. A casual bit of crime on a thirsty night was not so unusual around these parts. Liverpool was what Lily liked to call a character-building city. She watched the yob scatter in opposite directions from the safety of her bedroom, thankful that her own street had been left alone tonight. Last time the stink of chemical-less smoke made it in through a crack in the bathroom window. It lingered for weeks, sending her asthma into overdrive. Lily heard her mother bounding up the stairs. You kids all right? <laughs> she got eyes searching as she entered. This is me now. Yeah. Uh, oh, a kid. How old? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> About <six>. Mom. <laughs> Mom, look. <laughs> Benji's breath fogged up the glass and he rubbed it clear. <laughs> the car is <laughs> The car exploded. <laughs> I mean, it's just all right. I know. I know. I love I hear it. Fucking hell, how hard's it, man? I know. I love I hear it. Fucking know, love. They're rough, like, they are rough. Okay. I know, love I hear it. The three stirred fixedly out of the window, watching the thick veil of smoke coiling around the chimney pots. Marcia tutted. It's an absolute. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's an absolute joke what these kids <laughs> oh, it's an absolute <laughs> joke it's an absolute joke the things these idiots get away with it's an absolute joke <laughs> the things these idiots get away with your dad's on his way home I'll tell him to come the other way they'll be closing that road off I imagine Lily turned to observe the concern on her mother's face struggling to share the sentiment herself. Where's he being? Bucky's love. (laughs) (laughs) Her face glowed ghoulishly from the light of her phone, accentuating her gaunt cheekbones and swollen under eyes. Again? Her mother glanced up, embarrassment pinching her cheeks. You know he likes the Bucky's love? (laughs) (laughs) Lily arched a brow, not so easily swayed. She had heard this script too many times before. Fire engines sounded somewhere in the distance. Marcia wavered in the doorframe, like she wasn't quite sure what to do with herself. Well, I better go get him a brew ready. Can I have a brew? (laughs) (laughs) Benji joshed in his most grown-up voice. Milk and two sugars. Nice one, man. <laughs> Marcia grinned, eyes sparkling with motherly love. Definitely not. Poor Lily won't get any sleep. She's got exams coming up, remember? She needs a rest. Uh, Lily mourned, crinkling her nose at the thought. You're going to give me nightmares. I oh, don't worry about it, love. You haven't failed an exam yet. Lily didn't bother replying. Her mother couldn't possibly understand the angst she felt towards school. No one could. It had nothing to do with exams, for one. 
and more to do with everyone and everything else. So angsty. She caught her mother's worried glance in the reflection of the window and turned to reassure her with a false smile. I'm not really worried. I'm being dramatic. You know I worry about a lot of things, love, but your brains aren't one of them. The sound of the front door slamming shut echoed through the house, making the three of them jump. Oh, Jesus! She breathed. That was quick. How high-pitched is my scouse? Like it's <laughs> Almost like as high-pitched as my Benji. <laughs> is this that now? Yeah. Ma. <laughs> there was the sound of thumping, things knocking over. It wasn't unusual for Lily's father to break things. In fact, his staggered steps and heavy-handedness made it a near constant in the Luther household. Coming, Marcia answered, half-closing the door behind her. Good night, my lovelies. I see you in the morning. Sweet dreams. She blew two kisses into the air, one for each of her children, then sealed the door and rushed downstairs. Lily followed the smoke trail up into the night sky, sighing fondly at the stars. Soon it would be morning. Soon she would be readying herself for school. The encroaching doom made her nauseous, but until the sun had risen she would at least have the stars. To look at her, Lily was not too dissimilar from any other girl you might pass by, though she thought herself bizarrely out of place everywhere she went. She was cripplingly shy, which in a school full of loud-mouthed girls and ill-behaved boys meant that she tended not to speak very much. And that was fine by her. As far as Lily was concerned, a day spent at school without having to open her mouth was a day of success. And sitting up late at night when the stars were out, Telling her brother stories about the universe was her favourite thing in the world. And so it had become a tradition that on a night like tonight when the clouds had dispersed and the stars were bright enough to pierce through the artificial sheen of street lamps, that Benji would clamber onto Lily's bed and they would marvel at the sky together. Lily tucked her brother's soft blonde hair behind his ears. She remembered being his age when the boys at school would wear their hair as close to the scalp as possible. And to dawn an emo fringe meant that you were asking for trouble. But in recent years, the Scouse look had taken an unprecedented U-turn back to the 80s, deeming longer, luscious locks acceptable on the average jaw. There were rumours that the boys at Lily's school even went so far as to perm their hair, but she couldn't be sure. All she knew was that schools were most definitely getting hairier. Apparently, the phenomenon began and certain Scouse individuals were being stopped and searched on their way into festivals, which prompted the disguise. But Lily wasn't too sure about that either, having never been to a festival or personally known any festival goers. It was all just speculation she had overheard in the classroom. Do you know what infinity means? She asked. Isn't that what... <laughs> isn't that where Buzz Lightyear goes? Lily couldn't help but laugh. Well, yeah. Why is that funny? Benji sat up tall and defensive. That's that's what he says. <laughs> I know. She smiled. And you're right. But that's not what infinity means. It's not so much a place as it is lots of places. His eyes widened, awaiting further information. What number can you count to? Last time it was 100, wasn't it? This question filled Benji with excitement. Lily could almost see the numbers spinning in his eyes like a human slot machine. I can count all the way up to 200. <laughs> a little slack. 
without even looking at the fucking number wall. Wow, Benji. That's boss. A wide grin spread across his face. I could probably count to 300, but it gets a bit fucking boring, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Miss Clark says I'm the fucking best in the whole world class of counting anyway. Not the whole world, the whole class. I'm, I can't read me. Miss Clark says I'm the best in the whole class of counting, even better than Drake. And he's really clever. His dad works at a bank. <laughs> <laughs> He fucking not bad. Lily disguised just sketched. Lily disguised her amusement with a smile. Well, imagine that you just kept on counting forever and ever. Wow. Past three hundred? Way, way past three hundred, she nodded. Benji's jaw hung loose at the thought. You would never finish counting because numbers are infinite. They never end. But why would Buzz <laughs> fly to a number? Lily used her thumb to smooth away the creases on her brother's forehead. He flies to a never-ending number of places. That's what he means by infinity. So numbers <laughs> and infinity. <laughs> infinite? <laughs> yeah. And you know what else is infinite? Benji shook his head. Space. My head's fell off again. <laughs> Space. He repeated, returning his gaze to the window. You're chocking my head out of your girl. Space. He repeated, returning his gaze to the window. Yeah. And that means there are infinite possibilities out there. So whatever you can imagine must exist somewhere in the universe. Planets made entirely of diamonds. Whales where dinosaurs still roam. Even aliens with four arms, four legs and two heads. No way! He gasped. Even aliens with noses for eyes and socks for ears? (laughs) I guess so. (sighs) Why can't we see any of them then? Because, she explained, they're all too far away. Scattered across the infinite realms of space. Oh. He's <laughs> a disappointed like. It'd be good if we could go into infinity. Lily nodded with conviction. She was thinking the exact same thing. Maybe one day in the future. The evil billionaires are working on it as we speak. Every this bedtime between a teenager and a child. But that is working class bedtimes, isn't it? <clears throat> I'm going to get a good job. <laughs> I get the bank or something and save up all my money and get a ticket into space. I just bunk on, though. Why would I even bother making money? I can just bunk on. That wasn't it, sorry. Why not become an astronaut and fly there yourself? I don't know how to fly a fucking rocket. He shrugged. I, al- I already know how to really count, so I, I can't even read the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Wait there. I already know how to count really high, so I'd be good at counting monies in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> she knew that Benji's motives for space exploration were very different from her own, fueled by a childish fancy for adventure and dinosaurs. As for her, she simply believed that disappearing into the folds of infinity would leave her better off than she was now. 
dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> a while later, Lily made the announcement that always aroused a cry of protest from her little brother. I think it's time to get some sleep. Ah, nay. Benji grunted. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, off to Bedfordshire. We have school in the morning. I hate Bedfordshire. He said with conviction, shuffling over to his own bed, pulling the blankets up to his chin. You'll love them in a few years' time, I'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> 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 Who are you? When did you go <laughs> into my bedroom? Lily turned to face him so he could tell she was being candid. Remember, you get to explore all the universe in your dreams. Any planet or civilization you can think up. Like a city whose only mode of transportation is rubber rings on a lazy river. Or a place where people live under the sea and fish fly through the trees. She was quick to notice the return of a gleam in his eye. Make sure you tell me all about it in the morning. I will, he promised. But it'd be better if I could pick the dreams for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm nailing it. (laughs) (laughs) Then you'd be getting rid of the exciting part. Where's the fun in knowing what's coming next? Imagine how boring all your films and storybooks would be if you knew the ending before they finished. Yeah, I suppose. You're <laughs> 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 yawning. <laughs> it appears Benji turns cocky when he tries to yawn and talk at the same time. <laughs> well, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> the same yawn, which always beckoned in the end of the conversation. I'll tell you about it in the morning. I night daily. <laughs> Sweet dreams, Benji. She smiled. Only when she was sure that her little brother had fallen asleep did she bring her attention to the window once more. Lily had the compulsion to stare into space at night when the world outside had turned as quiet as it possibly could in the city suburbs. She would try to count the stars in her line of sight and imagine herself weaving peripatetically between them all. What does that mean? (laughs) Sort of like... Moving free like, like a bird would. I'm like a bird. Don't forget to drink tea. Asterix. Drink your tea. Asterix. Yeah, we'll, we'll do like, that was one of my best bits about a series of unfortunate events. Sorry, this is a bit sidebar. Um, whenever it said like a word like that, it'd be like, oh, I'm a word here, which means blah, blah, blah. No, like explain to you. Because you knew it was for younger adults and that. Mm-hmm. And it was a good way of learning a word because you go, oh, yeah. It was good. It was like. Yeah, good. that was good. Too bad I'm not as good as Lemnishnikit. Well, we just done it then. Um, indeed, she could not contemplate the enormity of space without leaving some trace of insignificance in her soul. And though it made her feel smaller and smaller, night after night, she refused to look away. As Lily saw it, looking away would not stop the universe from being as gargantuan as anything that ever was or would be. Looking away would not help her to forget that she was just one of eight billion, floating on a sphere that was one of infinite other spheres, nothing more and nothing less. Someone who by all the laws of history would eventually fade away without a kingdom or a record or a speck of dust to their name. Those were the thoughts that ushered her to sleep at night, leaving her devoid of all enthusiasm for the morning. 
Asterix, when I was writing this, other people my age were out getting fingered behind Tesco. <laughs> Asterix. Asterix. Uh, Asterix. Uh, that's how I wake up now. <laughs> <laughs> I was ahead of the game. Uh, I was doing this way before. Yeah. Tell me you've got clinical depression without telling me you've got clinical yeah. depression. Oh, well, I'll write it for you in the form of a thousand words. A <laughs> hundred thousand, thousand words. thousand words, yeah. This also gives you the in- insight into um, what it's like to go to school as a person with extreme severe anxiety. Mm. Okay. The next day began the way it usually did, five days out of seven. And that was with a dreadful bout of anxiety in the pit of Lily's stomach. She stuck to her customary routine, heading downstairs to prepare a breakfast of cereal and oat milk. Lily had discovered that if she focused on it hard enough, the chewing motion took her mind off the nausea. She found her mother in the kitchen, where she usually was, seven days out of seven. You delivered it like a joke then. Am I right, guys? The, the, the <laughs> note of your voice was like a punchline delivery. Marcia was preparing breakfast for Benji and a mug of coffee for herself. Fancy a brew, love? She asked as Lily entered. Yeah, please. Lily grabbed a bowl of cereal. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Seats at the old dining table. Running her fingers over the familiar chips and pen scribbles, she tried her best to ignore how heavily her mother's feet dragged across the floor in her worn-out slippers. It wasn't unusual for her mother to be having a bad day. Marcia placed a steaming mug onto the table and returned to the countertop, observing her children from a distance. Have you seen the forecast for the weekend? It's meant to be dead hot. About time we got some sunshine. It's bloody June, Lily replied, pretending not to have seen the purple bruises winding around her mother's wrist. Sorry again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, for the Asterix says. We'll have to do something for it, won't we? It's been ages since we've had a nice day out. Yeah. Benji piped up. I vote like Oland. Benji's been smoking bifters. I vote Lego Land. Is that too high now? He's so like, I don't know. I don't know how to do high pitched. I vote Lego Land. Can you do, can you do quieter? Hi. Hi. I vote Lego Land. That's bad, I think. Like, you've been so screechy. Sorry. It's fine. I vote Lego Land. I don't know if that's a relevant reference anymore. I don't know where kids go. Okay. <laughs> Is Legoland still open? <laughs> Marcia tried to uphold her smile, but sadness flickered in the depths of her big brown eyes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Looking in your big brown eyes. <laughs> 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 Maybe for your birthday, love. We're not made of money. Classic line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lily's face mirrored her mother's. As lovely as a family day out would be, she had learnt from countless disappointments that they rarely came to fruition. When Lily had finished her breakfast, she hurried to the bathroom to get ready for school in her usual frantic manner. Though she had left herself plenty of time, her anxiety preferred that she get things done fast and arrive as early as possible to wherever she was headed. In the bathroom, Lily washed and dressed herself, adhering strictly to the uniform guidelines of Ashmore High School. School skirt hemline must sit below the knee. 
School tie must be long enough to display a minimum of five burgundy stripes. Hair must be tied back at all times. No makeup, no jewellery, with the exception of watches, though expensive watches are not advised. Smart watches are prohibited. She obeyed the rules religiously, hoping that the unwelcome cloud of attention might skim past her, finding another pupil to overshadow, but this was seldom the case. No matter how insipidly Lily tried to present herself, there were other parts that she couldn't so easily hide. One of those parts was her tiny frame, which was covered with skin the colour of wedding cake icing. In a classroom full of girls reeking of fake tan, she stood out like a polar bear in the Bahamas. Another thing, and perhaps the most obvious thing she hated about herself, were the freckles that spread across her nose in such tight clusters that from a distance it looked like she had a smearing of dirt that would not wash off. This had led to a number of unsavoury names from her classmates. This and the fact that her eyeballs were unusually large for the size of her head, or buggish as she referred to them as. Because of these parts, Lily avoided looking into mirrors at all costs. It was also the reason she loved books so much, because the surfaces were non-reflective and she couldn't see herself in any of them. I thought I was clever for writing that because she was in a book. Yeah. This book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll get it. <laughs> One of the only things Lily didn't mind about herself was her long blonde hair which draped like the palest of yellow curtains down either side of her face. She tied it in the same place daily, at the nape of her neck with a burgundy ribbon. It was her mother's request that her hair remained untouched, never dyed or cut beyond a trim, which for a few years caused her to fall behind on the trends of Betty Page bangs and pastel-coloured hair. But Lily was more concerned with making her mother happy than following suit. And besides, she was fairly confident that long, natural hair was coming back in style again. The front door wheezed open on its rusted hinges. And (laughs) Lily steps out into the street. Do you have your packed lunch, babe? Her mother called. Of course, she always did. Lily was not the type of girl to put herself in the predicament of forgetting her lunch and having to mingle in the dreaded food hall with the rest of the year. (laughs) Yeah, she answered. I'll see you later. The grey pavement passed unevenly underfoot and Lily's stomach churned. It was a 15 minute walk to the school gates and then a 3 minute walk to her first class of the day. That was 18 minutes before she had a valid reason to feel sick but for her the build up was just as excruciating. Lily was punctual in all aspects, even her trepidation. In the school corridors she managed to slip by without making any waves. One of the minor benefits of being so small was her ability to get lost in a crowd. She preferred to reach her classes before everyone else because, first off, she didn't like being stared at by all those who had already taken the seats. And secondly, she got to pick where she wanted to sit. Lily had a preferable place to sit for each of her classes. And for this one, mathematics with Mr Thompson, it was as far back as she could go. Excluding the back row, of course, as her social rankings wouldn't allow it. Mr Thompson occasionally played a game he liked to call shooting out answers, where he would point his fingers in the shape of a gun, aim them at students and demand the answers. (laughs) 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 Mr Thompson sounds like a real cool guy. (laughs) Hey guys, it's shootout answers. Y'all want to play a game of shootout answers? (laughs) Mr Thompson here. For most pupils, 
this was harmless, and they brushed off his question with a shrug or wrong answer. But the prospect of being pointed at in front of her entire class made Lily very nervous indeed, so she always tried to tuck herself away at the back of the room. There, she waited for the rest of her class to join her, and hoped that the day might be kind enough to pass her by without notice. But as well she knew, this was seldom the case. Chapter 2 Mr Thompson called the class to attention in his own time. Lily wasn't sure if her teacher was a patient man or a half-hearted man, but he never rushed towards anything fast. This seemed to bode well for the rest of the pupils, especially when they had him first thing on a Friday. But having sat silently for over 15 minutes already, Lily was eager for the class to start, even if only for it to finish. The teacher left his desk gradually, clearing his throat. Was Mr. Thompson like a gunslinger? What, what you voice do you want to have? He was a scouse, like. Today, we'll be learning about. He squeaked a marker across the board. Everything. He finished, stepping aside to reveal the word quiz. Lily couldn't believe her luck. From her experience, quizzes almost entirely consisted of keeping her head down and her lips buttoned, both of which she was excellent at. The teacher handed a stack of papers to a boy in the front row. Pass them along, will you, Josh? Let's see how many of you have been paying attention this past term. The class groaned together like a choir of terrible singers. Not many of you then? By the sounds of things, Mr. Thompson's a, a funny guy. <laughs> right? not, not many of you. Mr. Thompson rolled his eyes, returned to his desk and opened his laptop. You're going to wish you'd listen to me, he said. Few more years, you'll be sorry. A snigger sounded from the back of the class. No one needs algebra, say. Mr. Thompson raised his eyes from the screen for just a second. You need qualifications, and you only get them from paying attention. That was as much effort and wisdom as he was willing to contribute for the time being. When you've got your papers, you can begin. Bring them up to the front when you're done. They've already got these, shouted Stacy Louise Simpson. A girl whose name Lily only knew because of her infamous, infamously thick eyebrows. That's not fair. The teacher spurred them another glance. Life's not fair, Stacey. I suggest you get used to it. On another note, I know you lot love a natter, but if you manage to stay quiet for the full 35 minutes, I'll let you leave early. That sounds like me doing stand-up, though. <laughs> I know you're still talking, but if you just give me eight minutes... <laughs> There came a ripple of cheers and applause from the class, but Lily didn't understand the fuss. Sound. The teacher said. Get your heads down then. The class turned silent at once. Apparently, leaving early was too worthy a prize to miss out on. And then, Say, can we have some music on or something? It creeps me out when it's this quiet. I can hear Nathan breathe. What the hell, Chloe? Didn't last long, did it? Mr Thompson eyed his watch. What was that? Like all the ten seconds? Sorry, say. Chloe hushed, batting her false eyelashes innocently. No, you may not listen to music. I am, however, willing to start the clock again. This is your last chance, though, so keep quiet, a lot of you. By the time the room had quietened down again, Lily was already beginning her third question. Lily never considered herself to be a brain box, 
She was just attentive to detail and excellent at remembering things, which aided her well with revision and quizzes, and not so well with other things, like trying to forget a painful memory that had stained right through to the bone. The lesson passed by halfway when Lily jotted down her final answer with a fat... <laughs> with a fat, a fat stroke of a pen. Fat the lesson passed by halfway when Lily jotted down her final answer with a satisfying stroke of the pen. She aligned her stationery, as she always did upon completing paperwork, and took a moment to look around the room. Mr. Thompson was still engrossed by the contents of his laptop, so much so that he had failed to pick up on the discreet mutterings going on here and there. Lily decided to sit quietly and enjoy the rest of the time she had left. There was no way she was going to hand in her quiz first and risk a nasty onslaught from her peers. Instead, she would hand it in on the way out of class, just like everyone else. This was one of the many ways she attempted invisibility. With a muffled thud, something hard smacked through the gap in the back of Lily's chair, straight into her ribs. She was quick to bring her hand to her mouth before any noise escaped. As she focused on her breathing and on not making a scene... The sound of smothered laughter crawled to her ears and she knew immediately what had happened. While sitting close to the back kept her from the scrutiny of teachers, it also placed her precariously... Precariously? Precariously <laughs> close to someone pleasantries. I don't know why I was such a Victorian child. Um, one of those unpleasantries was Nicole Fate, who had been making Lily her bullseye for abuse since the beginning of year seven. And lately, her vindictiveness had been on the rise. Nicole had plunged to popularity rather speedily, and for two reasons, both of which were large and burst in through her school shirt. Unfortunately, Tits. <laughs> Tits. Melons. <laughs> Mama jammers. Pajangas. <laughs> We're talking about a child. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The tits of a teenager. Uh, I apologise. Um, True. I remember we had one in our school and when she'd done the dance and all the lads were like, whoa, she's really good at dancing. <laughs> she should do that more. Yeah. Unfortunately, this meant that her disliking of Lily was mirrored by her many minions and Lily suffered the effects of that on most days. There came a second collision, though this time softer. Psst. Nicole's voice tagged knots in Lily's gut, not wanting to cause any more trouble for herself than she inexplicably seemed to be in. Lily turned to peer over her shoulder. What's the fifth one? Nicole mouthed. Lily scowled at her paper, considered giving her the wrong answer, then thought better of it. She eased around to pass on the answer, her lips puckered, ready to whisper the number three, when there came a third and final kick. The impact launched the word from Lily's mouth, loud and breathlessly for all to hear. Three! (laughs) She cried, gasping at her lower back. All eyes landed on Lily. At first, there was a long excruciating silence, filled with confused head spins and raised eyebrows. Then the laughter came, slow at first, like bubbles in water just beginning to boil, until it overflowed out of each and every pupil turning Lily's skin bright red as it burnt her. Something you'd like to share with us? Mr Thompson asked. Her mouth was too dry to speak. She was too ashamed to even look up from her desk. 
All Lily could do was shake her head. Seven. Someone yelled, 69! <laughs> the class were upstairs <laughs> into chaos as Lily squirmed in her seat. Stop here. Mr. Thompson warned. Four sweaty lad. <laughs> if you don't shut up, I'll hold you all back for an hour after class. That was me. <coughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. If you don't shut up, yeah. I'll hold you all back for <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, just had a drink. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Uh, we don't shut up. I'll hold you all back after class for an hour. I keep you here all bloody weekend if needs be. So pack it in. The temptation to shout out tingled in the air, but the risk outweighed the reward and the noise died down. Good. The teacher nodded. Wise decision. Say, do we still get to leave early though? Mr. Thompson pressed on his temple and took a steady inhale. No, Chloe. Obviously not. And you can thank Lily for that. Lily could feel the blood pounding in her ears. Daggers were being hurled at her from around the room. There was nowhere less she wanted to be than here and her heart sank when she realised this was only her first lesson. The day was far from over. She picked up her pen and pretended to carry on with her paper just to give her eyes somewhere to focus and her hands something to do. Eventually, the students stopped stirring and returned to their work. But Lily could sense a low hum of hatred in the room. It shook her right the way through. When the class ended, Lily dropped her sheet off at the teacher's desk and disappeared into the crowd. She did her best to block out the name-calling that ensued and hurried to the girls' toilets, where she swilled her face with cool water from the tap. Though, as a rule, Lily avoided looking into mirrors, she caught a glimpse of herself and couldn't help but stir. Between the scribbles of graffiti, she saw a very unhappy girl with flushed wet skin and eyes glazed over. She turned away, dried her face with a paper towel and left for the next class. The rest of the day dragged on without mercy and Lily had to reassure herself that placing one foot in front of the other would eventually lead her home. It was a mantra she often used to guide her through the tougher days. When the final bell rang, Lily felt a huge weight lift from her chest. At once, the air seemed easier to breathe. She left the school gates behind, without bothering to look back, marching on with enthusiasm, the promise of sunshine and two whole days of freedom beginning to pluck up her sunken spirits. Lily knew the route by heart, and could have made it home with her eyes shut if there were no cars on the road, but other threats kept her eyes peeled wide. The area was known to house some questionable characters. Lily knew to remain observant until her key was in the front door. Having grown up around these parts, she considered herself somewhat street smart, knowing never to venture down entries or hitch a ride with a stranger. But she had no idea how to react if something unfortunate were to actually happen. This came to her attention when a sudden inexplicable sound grounded her to the spot. A terrible inhaled screech <coughs> clambered to her ears. Her skin prickled at the noise, turning her blood cold. Lily span, examining the street at either end. Empty. She waited, listened, her heart pounding. An eerie breath of wind coiled itself around her, carrying the scent of something foul and rotten. She shivered and checked the road again, but there was nothing to suggest she was being watched. Nothing to suggest she was being followed. Frightened, Lily sprinted the rest of the way home. Only when the front door sailed shut did her heart rate begin to settle. 
probably just a smack it, she thought. Her sensible head marked her fears as irrational, and she pushed the incident to the back of her mind. But that night, Lily slept with the curtains closed, too spooked to have the blackened window at her side, paranoid that someone or something was looking in. And in her dreams, she heard it again, that same gasping shriek. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible. Threatening. Inhuman. The next morning, the first thing Lily discovered was that her mother was right. The weather had proceeded to be as heavenly as forecasted. The way she discovered this was by her mother tearing open the bedroom curtains, revealing a cloudless blue sky and blazing yellow sun. Wakey, wakey, she beamed, challenging the sun's intensity. I have a surprise for you. Lily blinked back too startled by her mother's cheerfulness to be annoyed at the blunt awakening. You look nice. Lily couldn't remember the last time she'd seen her mother with a genuine smile on her face. Marcia's hair flowed loose over the shoulders like sheets of pale silk, her eyes bright and wide from a surplus of caffeine. Oh, thank you, love, she said, all coy. Lily stretched and yawned. What's the surprise, then? I've made us a picnic. She replied, clapping her hands together giddily. Hurry up and meet us downstairs, we're waiting for you. Not wanting to hold anybody up, Lily sprang from her bed and darted to the bathroom with the first items of clothing she could find. A baggy t-shirt, some cut-off denim shorts and a pair of old Converse. She washed, dried and dressed herself quickly and hurried down the stairs. A glorious aroma greeted her at the kitchen door where she found Benji hopping from one foot to the other. Mum's made of gingerbread men, <laughs> he shouted. Really? She sniffed, identifying the scent of ginger in the air. And what else? I can smell garlic and lemons. Marcia was placing a plastic container into one of two woven baskets. I've packed everything but the kitchen sink, she said. Do soup, sandwiches, pasta salad. What, did they say salad? No. Salad. S- Pasta salad, pasta, Sink. S- pasta salad, gingerbread men, cupcakes, and homemade lemonade. <laughs> homemade lemonade. Asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> Just for us three, Lily asked with a, lo- with a laugh. Marcia eyed the mounds of food, her enthusiasm slipping. I may have gone a little, a little overboard, she admitted. I was just so excited. You know, I can't help myself when it comes to cooking. <laughs> I'm just astonished that you've managed to pull this much food out of our bare cupboards. Channel 4 needs to make a documentary on you. Picnics for povs or something. You're a wasted talent. We're going to park. <laughs> <laughs> Benji was almost trembling with anticipation. I've got my toys ready, he said. Nothing too big, Marcia warned. We need your help carrying all the supplies. No, he answered, passing his trouser pockets. I'm just bringing me cars. <laughs> Only two. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's a good lad, his mother praised. I sounded like an Ewok at the beginning of that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's a good lad, his mother praised. Will you go and get the blanket off the back of the couch, please, love, and roll it up small? That's yours to carry. We'll manage the baskets. Benji was off in a flash, wanting to get the adventure underway. 
Lily and her mother heaved the food off the counter, claiming a basket each. Jesus, we'll be sick if we eat all this, Lily strained. We've cooked our weight in food. Marcia made a worried grumble. I hope it doesn't go to waste. Your father won't be very happy with me. Let's just enjoy the day and not think about him. They began the stroll to the park. Usually on a day like today, half the population of Liverpool partook on a pilgrimage to the main source of local greenery, Sefton Park, while the other half ventured to Formby Beach, making both places heavily overcrowded. Luckily, the Luthers set off early enough to avoid the masses and secure themselves a good spot. Benji was the adventure leader, guiding them to where he thought was best, a patch of grass encircled by trees, not too far away from the lake. Yeah! He declared, dropping the blanket on the ground like an explorer wedging his flag into the soil. Picnic point! He named it. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck Benji is. (laughs) Thank the Lord you like this one, Marcia panted. Having let Benji lead them over hills and weave them between trees, she was just about ready to collapse. Me legs, she groaned. This is a good spot, Lily agreed. And you found it just in time, judging by the little mum. Benji giggled. <laughs> Sorry, mum. <laughs> don't worry about me, she said, creaking as she sat. I just need to bust open that lemonade <laughs> and I'll be fine. <laughs> she sounds bossy. I just need to fucking bust open that <laughs> lemonade. They laid out the food in a buffet fashion and began to nibble, enjoying the warmth of the sun in the absence of time. Remind me again why you're not a chef, Lily probed, polishing off the crust of a sandwich. Marcia lowered the drink from her lips, displaying a satisfied smile. You know me, love. I'd have a panic attack working under all that pressure. And besides, I haven't got the credentials to be let into the kitchen in the first place. Go and get them then. Marcia shook her head. I'm best at home, cooking for my two favourites. That's enough for me. Benji played with his red and blue cars in the grass, driving up the mountains and over the canyons of his imagination, revving, screeching, vrooming. Skirt! Skirt, skirt! <laughs> Even removing his striped socks to use as a pit of snakes. <laughs> Do you remember Ted Bear? Her mother asked. Lily laughed. How could I forget? We were best mates. You took him absolutely everywhere with you. Your dad thought you were soft in the head. I was. No, you weren't. Her mother dismissed. You were adorable. You used to hide him in your backpack and take him to school with you. I knew that. I didn't know that you knew that. Oh, yeah. She chuckled softly. Eyes lost in the past. Mums know these things. And soon, she said, I am Benja. He's going to grow out of his toys and I don't know what I'll do. Marcia's expression hardened. I wish you'd kept him, Ted Bear. I was ten. That's way too old for Teddy's. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Whoa, that's like so old for that's Teddy's. That's way too old for Teddy's. <laughs> you know, ten's totally too old. Teddies. <laughs> I know, but you didn't need to throw him in the bin. There was a lot of memories attached to that bear. I thought I was weird for having him, she said, in a moment of truthfulness. I thought it was time to grow up. Lily caught a look of pain flash across her mother's face and knew that she would never be ready for her children to grow up. You didn't keep any of your toys. As soon as she spoke the words, regret collided with her conscience. Marcia flinched. 
I didn't have any to keep. Oh, this is going to ruin the moment, isn't it? What toys did you have, Mum? <laughs> when you were little? Benji asked, pitching in at the wrong moment. She smiled falsely. Well, for a little while I had a dolly. I used to brush her hair in the mornings and match her hairstyles. If I had a braid, she'd have a braid. If I had two ponytails, she'd have two ponytails. Lily smiled, full of affection. In her 16 years of life, this was the most she had heard of her mother's past. Is she now, Mum? Oh, Marcia breathed, as though startled by the memory. She went missing. Another girl at the care home had her eye on her, and I'm pretty sure she stole her when I was asleep. We never found out for sure, but I always blamed a girl, Chrissy. Her name wasn't she was a right bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Did your mum not buy you a new one? He asked innocently. And gratingly. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't. Marcia struggled to find her next words and stirred blankly into a drink. Guilt twisted in Lily's stomach for dragging up the past that her mother tried so desperately to keep buried. They ate and drank and laughed, playing games of I spy and making pictures from the clouds. It was a day of bliss that Lily wished she could keep on a loop. No school, no Nicole Fate, no dad. Perfect, except for one thing. Do you smell that? Her mother asked, face turning sour. Lily stiffened. The smell. Dirty. Rotten. Stinks! Benji shouted, wafting the air. Bet it was Lily. They laughed, and Lily tried to laugh too, but the smell had resurfaced that awful sound in her mind. The shrieking. <laughs> Her heart hammered hard in her chest. Chapter 3 3 (laughs) (laughs) The sun moved westward across the sky, leaving a chill in its wake. As the park transformed from serene to eerie in the fading light, they packed up their belongings and readied themselves for home. I've loved today, Lily said as they walked. We don't do this enough. We'll have another one soon, promise. Dad'll be wondering where we've gone. Probably, she said, and in that moment appeared aged, tired by the mention of him. At least the baskets are lighter, Lily said, attempting to boost morale. She gave a shallow laugh. Yeah, but I am not. Lily puffed out her cheeks in exaggeration. The baskets were definitely lighter, but not empty. We can have the rest for tea or dinner tomorrow. Benji wailed. No! Please, no more food. (laughs) (laughs) His energy energy had dwindled with the sun and his feet marched sluggishly over the grass. Lily kept her eyes keen as they journeyed to the edge of the park, searching for something she couldn't explain. Everyone they passed seemed oblivious to her. The teenagers only cared about the volume of their music. The couple seemed content with staring into one another's eyes. Any elderly ladies and gents rested quietly on the benches, staring into space or reading the paper. There was no one else left, and yet she could feel someone, something. When Lily's feet met the tarmac road opposite the park, she found it easier to breathe, and stood for a moment staring back at nothing. Everything okay, love? Her mother pressed. Lily didn't know what to say and was too tired to think up an explanation. Yeah. I'm fine. The sun really takes it out of you, doesn't it? My eyes are going funny. I think we're ready for an early night, aren't we? 
she tussled Benji's hair and he blinked up at her slowly. Benji especially. When they reached the familiar site of home, blue paint flaking from the front door, Marcia deflated as though returning from prison leave. She looked at her children, pushing a finger to her lips. Stay quiet, she warned them, cringing at the door's noisy hinges. They tiptoed inside, still beer and cigarettes burnt at their nostrils. P.U. Benji cried, scrunching his nose at the eldrenched clothes on the floor. Shh, Marcia shot. If your dad's sleeping, I'd like to keep it that way. They crept to the kitchen and began discarding all evidence of the day, working as a well-oiled machine. Marcia washed, Benji dried and Lily carefully, silently placed everything away. What was left of the food was stored in the fridge, adding a bit of colour and purpose to the bare shelves. In minutes the day had erased from existence. Almost. How about we watch a film? Lily whispered. Is there any in good on tonight? Marcia flicked on the kettle, frowning at the rattle it made. But before she could answer, the floorboards above began to groan. The three of them stopped what they were doing. It felt as though all the air had been sucked from the room. Heavy footsteps descended the stairs. Bah. Lily's father had a voice that set her teeth on edge. There was a strong undercurrent of anger to it, even when saying something pleasant, which was rarer than English sunshine. Hey, because it's always miserable here. Hey. When he bellowed the mother's name, her heart dropped. This was the worst he had sounded in a long time. Lily watched her mother turn to stone. I'm in here, she said. Her voice cracking. Terry appeared at the kitchen door. His skin was blotchy like the colour of canned ham and glazed with sweat. If not for the grubby boxes clinging to his hips, he would have been completely naked. His eyes looked on to Marcia. What the hell do you think you're playing at, Ma? What do you mean? He slammed his fist into the door frame, cutting her off. Don't give me that. You know exactly what I'm on about. Terry? I... There's nothing left in the cupboards, Marcia. There's all the bloody food gone. Before he could say anything, Benji spoke up. <laughs> to, really, to really change the mood of the room. We've had the picnic, Dad. <laughs> uh, not quite takes the, <laughs> the edge of domestic abuse. <laughs> like a raspy voiced toddler. Terry turned to his son, eyes wide with fire raging behind them. A bloody picnic. He fumed. Returning his aggression to Marcia. Bloody picnic? You joking me? I I just thought it'd be nice for the kids, that's all. Slave away all week putting food on the table. You're going to blow it all in one day. For your sake, this better be a joke. He spat the words out. Storm was about to break. Marcia turned to her daughter urgently, all colour drained from her face. Take your brother upstairs now. But it was too late. Terry lunged forward like a wild animal gripping his wife by the throat. He drew back his other arm, balled his fist. That's enough. Lily's insides blazed. Seeing another cowering like that released a fear inside that she longed to keep chained. Terry looked down at his wife with loathing. I'm sorry, Marcia sobbed. Please don't do it, please. Lily catapulted forward, her body working faster than her mind. Stop it, she screamed. Her father swung around, connecting his fist with her jaw, knocking her to the ground. Lily felt the floor beneath her, hard but steady. There was a strong metallic taste in her mouth and her ears rang over the sound of her mother's cries. 
Get away from her! Marcia screeched. Don't you dare touch her! Lily heaved herself up and across the floor to her brother. Her head swam, but getting Benji to safety remained clear-cut in her mind. She found him clinging to the back of a chair, his face streaked with tears. Come here! She grabbed his hand and he stood trembling behind her legs. I've got you. Don't look. They edged to the exit. Marcia stepped back, luring Terry away from the door. She was a mess, and Lily's heart ached at the sight, but she couldn't stay any longer. She had to remove her brother from the chaos. That was her duty. That was what her mother wanted. They ran up the stairs, slamming the bedroom door behind them. Lily pressed against it, her chest pounding. Even with the door shut, their father's voice cut through them. Benji ran to Lily's bed on the far side of the room and ducked beneath her. Benji, she gasped. It's okay, you don't need to hide under there. She steadied her breathing, altered her tone to a false calmness, the same tone she had heard her mother perfect over the years. You're safe up here, he cried to himself. I don't want to come out. Lily bit her lip to keep it from shaking. Please, she said. I want to give you a hug and I can't reach you properly under there. She crouched onto all fours. Please don't be scared. Scared? You scared, kid? The terror on his face pained her horribly. Please, Benji, come out of there. He looked back at his sister and she made sure that he saw only strength. Only safety. The second he was out, she wrapped her arms around him, squeezing as hard as she could without hurting him. I'm sorry you had to see that. Benji pulled away, studying her face, panicked. Are you okay? Of course I am, silly. You do need to worry about me. I'm your big sister. I'm here to look after you. You're bleeding. Am I? <laughs> Lily ran the hem of her t-shirt under her nose. It stained red against the pale cotton. It doesn't hurt, she told him. I didn't even know it was happening. Benji looked to the floor. Eyes lost in a world too dark for children to understand. Lily searched helplessly, trying to explain what had just happened, but she could tell from the look on his face that the events had taken a firm hold of his mind. And I'm a dad. He choked. I don't want to hit the mum. I don't want to make anyone scared or sad. Her heart fell from her chest. Seeing her brother's innocence destroyed hurt more than any blow her father had given her. What he did was wrong, and you're right to think like that. You're so much better than he is, Benji. We need to learn from his mistakes. She pulled him close, so he couldn't see that she was close to breaking. I'm so proud of you. You're a big, brave boy. The sound of the front door slamming shut shook the whole house, startling them both. Is he gone? Lily listened for voices. I think so. I'll have to go and have a look. His eyes widened. Don't go. I'm sorry, she said, pulling together all the strength she had left. I need to check on Mum, but I won't be long, I promise. She pulled back the corner of the bed sheets and patted the mattress. Get in. I'll be back before you know it. Lily planted a kiss on Benji's forehead and went downstairs to look for her mother. She found her in the living room hunched on the edge of the settee with her face in her hands, her stability shattered. Mum? She gasped, running to her side. Marcia fell against Lily and sobbed, turning to a ragdoll in her arms. No power left behind any of her movements. I'm sorry, 
I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. She said finally, when her breathing had steadied, Lily sat up sternly. Please don't apologise for him. You've done nothing wrong. She shook her head furiously. You can't possibly think this is your fault. Marcia sunk back into the settee, blinking away tears. I just wish things were different. You wasn't supposed to be like this. I don't want this kind of home for my kids. Lily stared back helplessly, desperate to relieve her mother's pain. But what could she do? Can't we just run away? You know it's not that simple. It'll be difficult, but look at the alternative, Mum. Surely difficult is better than this. Let's just take whatever money we have and go. There's a hostel downtown. We can afford that. No! Marcia's tone was cold and vinyl. I will not put my children in a hostel when they already have a home. I work so hard to get out of the hole the care put me in. I won't go backwards, I won't. She stopped, lips trembling. Today was a bad day. I really shouldn't have wasted all that food. I didn't think things through. Lily held her mother's hands together inside her own, praying that she would be able to see sense. You did nothing wrong, Mum. I did. She nodded her head adamantly. I might not have deserved this, but I was irresponsible. And your dad is the type of man to act without thinking, so I, I should have known better. I'm so sorry that I put you and Benji through this. I, I won't be such an idiot in future, I promise. Lily's heart shriveled to nothing. Her hands fell out of prayer. Instead, she used them to wipe away tears from her mother's cheeks. You're not an idiot. Please don't ever call yourself that. Her mother gave no response. Lily could see that she was exhausted and needed rest, not another argument. So, as always... She let it go. Did he hate you? Marcia sighed, long and hard as though trying to exhale all the sadness from her body. Don't worry about your old mum. Making a poor excuse for a smile, she asked. Are you alright? I'm okay. And Benji? I think he's okay too. Her mouth pulled into a firm line. You should go to him. I just needed to know you were alright. I'm just tired. She shrugged, but I'll feel better in the morning. We all will. Lily leaned across to reach for the blanket folded over the back of the settee. She lifted it into the air and it fell down slowly, wafting the smell of fresh-cut grass all around them. It stung to remember the perfect day they had shared together, seeming like a lifetime ago now. I love you, she choked. I love you more. Marcia's eyes fluttered shut. Her head lolled to one side. Lily wished she could separate herself into two so that she could be with her mother and brother at once. Instead, she kissed her mother's brow and made her way back to the bedroom. She could hear Benji sobbing before she reached the door. Lily found him crying into her pillow. Benji? She rushed over. I'm back, I'm back now. Sorry I left you, are you okay? Lily? He sobbed. I've left, I've left me cars. (laughs) Your cars, she repeated. Left them where at the park? Yeah. His cries loudened. (laughs) (laughs) Shh, Benji, it's okay. Lily crouched beside the bed so that their eyes were level. You don't need to cry, it's okay. But they'll get stolen. No, they won't, I promise. She brushed the hair away from his eyes. They were glistening with tears, deep pools of tempered chocolate. 
He blinked up at her, slow and tired. If you be a brave boy and calm down, I'll go get them for you, okay? His cries tapered off to a snivel. <laughs> you promise? I promise. But you've got to make me a promise too, all right? All right. I want you to stay in here. You can go to the bathroom if you need to, but come straight back when you're done. Mum's sleeping downstairs, so try your best not to wake her up, okay? She's very tired. She needs a rest. He nodded, wiping his nose. I don't want to sleep by the door tonight. Lily gathered herself from the floor, hoping that she looked stronger than she felt. That's no problem. (laughs) That's no problem, (laughs) wee man. (laughs) That's no problem. (laughs) You can stay right there. She watched him a while longer, sickened by the thought of what his head was going through, only five years old and already so confused, so exposed. Even for her at ten years old, the realisation was painful. Her rose-tinted glasses shattered and the world behind was storm grey. She worried how the shock might shape his young mind, prayed that he would be resilient and not follow the same path. He deserved better. I'll be back soon, okay? I love you. Love you. Lily pulled on a jacket and sneaked downstairs. She grabbed a torch from beneath the kitchen sink, passed her mother asleep on the settee and ventured out into the night. Outside, the darkness was thick, broken only by the hazy yellow street lights, good Samaritans paving away through the blackness. The air had cooled significantly since the morning and it sharpened her senses with each inhale. There were youths close by, but they were loud, so Lily knew which way to avoid. She pulled up her hood and slinked like a shadow. Before long, the park came into view. It swelled like a black hole at the end of a tunnel. The sight was enough to stop her in her tracks, but only for a moment. In and out, she told herself, Be brave. She stepped inside the gates. Darkness clung to her like a weighted blanket. For Benji, she whispered, and realised that she was shaking. Oh, Benji! (laughs) (laughs) Running into the park. (laughs) Oh, Benji! (laughs) Sorry. She turned on the torch and pushed forward. Footsteps silent on the grass. To her left, something moved in the trees and she jumped. Squirrels, she hoped, though it sounded like something bigger. Lily quickened her pace. When she arrived at Picnic Point, the battle felt half won. By the light of her torch, she searched the low grass. The toys reflected like metallic flowers and she marched over to pick them, triumphant, relieved. And then something ominous crawled to her ears. That same screech, only this time, it wasn't over quickly. Lily stood stiff, casting her torchlight into the trees. Two eyes glowed back, yellow against the night. Chapter 4 Lily screamed. Her own voice sounded like a stranger's, too terrified to be her own. Her torch slipped through trembling fingers. Darkness fell between her and the thing. The noise of rushing, feet hammering the earth. Lily span, trying to react quickly, but fear had dulled her senses, fogged her mind. The smell of rock closed in on her and her heart thumped dangerously fast. A 
A great force hit her from behind and she collapsed in the grass. Screams ripped from her lungs as she thrashed, trying to get the attacker from her back. They bore down on her with brute strength. Get off me! She cried, shrieking into the dirt. Help me, somebody help! Asterix, uh, it's quite late and we don't want to be shouting, uh, help me, get off me, somebody (laughs) help me. So uh, use your imagination on the screams. Asterix. Cold webbed fingers gripped her jaw, yanking her head around. She screamed louder, thinking that her neck would snap and everything would end. She looked at her attacker, the whites of her eyes huge like prey in the hands of a predator. Terror stole the words from her mouth, the breath from her lungs. The creature was like nothing she had ever seen. Scaled, flaking, almost reptilian, with eyes that cut, a mouth that gaped with teeth of jagged steel. Saliva dripped from its canines, soaking Lily's skin, landing on her tongue. The taste was so rancid that it shocked through her senses like an electric current. She whipped her arms out, smacking against something hard. The torch. His dick. (laughs) (laughs) His dick. (laughs) We have my dick. The torch. Lily clutched at her last chance of survival, squirmed beneath the creature's face and cracked the torch against its skull. (laughs) The creature screeched. (laughs) Closing its hands around its head, Lily kicked, knocking the repulsive thing off her. She flew to her feet and ran, ran faster than she knew she could. She gained distance, her head spinning. The park railings came into view and her heart fluttered with hope, but the faster she scurried, the further away they seemed to get. They swayed like saplings in the breeze. Something was wrong, deeply, terribly wrong. The park twisted around her, a coalescence of green and black, fear and euphoria. She laughed, not knowing which way was up. Why am I laughing? She wondered, stopping running altogether. Lily had become oblivious to the fact that something incomprehensible was hunting her. The darkness began to pop with colours of imaginary light. Wind chimes tinkled in her brain. Then something began to solidify. A cold and foreign feeling like her blood was hardened into stone. She fell onto her back, frozen. What is this? Am I dying? She asked with a smile on her face, like someone had rewired her mind. The creature came to look over her. It crouched, sniffing her body from head to toe. (laughs) There you are, she babbled, every morsel of common sense gone, skipping away, not caring where it was heading or how it was going to find its way back. A growl emitted from the creature's throat and then it spoke. um, Where are we from again? St. Helens? Yeah. Ooh, monkey. Rugby. A grave new world of blackness born, from which the brightest sun is torn. A saviour comes to light and night, surrounded by a glow of white. Loyal until the end of quest, courage far above the rest. Unquestioning their heart will be, before the pass of decades three. Ooh, Lily gushed. Thank you, that was lovely. Be still. The creature ordered, and Lily had no trouble complying. Webbed fingers prized open her jaw, and a file of powder was emptied onto her tongue, followed by a file of sweet liquid. Mmm, tastes lovely, she said, smacking her lips together. The creature spoke another rhyme, but Lily was too disorientated to keep up. It tightened its grip on her jaw, pulling its repulsive face into focus. Find Luna, it said, sharp enough to pierce through her bubble-wrapped mirage. Like the flick of a switch, Lily was torn from her grassy bed and wrenched through the air at speeds impossible for a human being to endure. She was enveloped by winds that whipped her with frosty licks, electric pulses that ignited her senses. 
Her skin flopped over her skeleton like a pot balloon as she surpassed the speed of light and then darkness came, consuming her in one large bite. Lily was lying corpse still. Speck by speck her mind returned but the rest of her body remained in hibernation. She tugged on her thoughts, trying to make sense of what was happening. It ached and burned like cardio for the brain. And then something snapped. Her senses clicked into their rightful place, bringing her body back to life. Her fingers twitched, aware of a grassy texture beneath them. Her eyes peeled open to gaze at a night sky blazing with stars. Lily was swept with such relief that a maddening laugh exploded from her lips. (laughs) I'm alive! Summoning strength to her legs, she rose carefully. They felt flimsy beneath her, as did her arms when she attempted to brush herself down. There was a coating of chalky dust all over her, making her paler than usual, but she didn't think much of it, not when there was so much to rejoice over. Lily tried to make sense of her location. She had been to Sefton Park a number of times growing up, and was sure she could navigate her way around. It wasn't so big that she could get lost. Walking in a straight line would eventually lead her to an exit, but something about this place seemed different. Lily did a slow 360, searching for something vaguely familiar. Her heart sank. She turned one last time, finishing with a shudder. Lily knew Sefton Park well enough to know that she was no longer in it. The leaves on the trees were different. Obscure, in fact, forming long, spiralling tongues, and they bore a strange fruit. Pear-shaped, but faintly blue in colour. The magnitude of being lost and alone came over to rest on Lily's shoulders. She threw her head back and cried up to the sky. Seeing the stars again, Lily understood that she was far, far from home. There was no Orion, no Ursa Major, no Capricorn. These stars were brighter and in bigger clusters. The sky veiled above like a stunning piece of fabric, dripping with the finest beadwork. She shook her head, trying to make sense of the nonsensical. And then, remembering her attacker, spun to check her surroundings. There was nothing and no one. Just wilderness. Unwelcoming and unfamiliar. That thing. She shivered. She had never seen or heard of anything like that before. And it had left her here, but why? Where the fuck am I? She cried. Lily stood helplessly a while longer, the cold air seeping into her skin. She had to move, but where? A part of her wanted to curl up into a ball and wait for a dog walker to stumble across her in the morning. They'd call the police and she'd be collected and driven home and all would be right with the world again. Lily winced, imagining the look on her mother's face when she woke and realised that her daughter was missing. Gone without a trace. She needed to get home by morning somehow. Lily picked a direction at random believing that placing one foot in front of the other would eventually lead her home. The mantra had never failed her before. With a start, Lily searched her pockets, finding two hard clumps of plastic and metal, one blue car and one red. She sighed, finding relief in their presence. They tethered her to home. They were proof of who she was and where she'd come from, and if nothing else, they kept her marching. It seemed hours had passed, but the sky remained dark, so she couldn't be sure. Exhaustion made time go slower, she realised. Lily fought to hold back tears. She had hoped something positive would have emerged by now, but the horizon stayed blank. And then at last, it wasn't. A small light flickered in the distance. It could have been nothing, but it was the closest thing to something she had come across all night. Lily set off towards it, wading through the long grass which felt as resistant as the sea against her feeble legs. The light came from a small shack, held together by dishevelled planks of wood. 
Despite the jumbled appearance, immaculately pruned flower beds and a fragrant herb garden surrounded the property, enclosed by a white picket fence. The manicured gardens and rugged shed didn't make the least bit of sense as a couple, but Lily was well aware that things not making sense had become a prominent pattern in her life. She stood at the gate, contemplating. As obvious as it seemed for her to go pounding on the door, she couldn't help feel self-conscious about the ordeal. She was lost and desperate, yes, but still just as shy as before. Not to mention confused. What was she to say to a stranger? How could she attempt to tell a story that she didn't fully understand herself? They'll think I'm a mental case, she decided. But what choice do I have? Lily took a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And then quickly, before she could change her mind, stepped through the gate and up to the crooked wooden door. Her hand lifted to a wreath of pastel flowers, encircling a heavy brass knocker. But before she could grab a hold, the door swung inward. A short woman with a kind face stood before her. Hello, dearie. Is everything okay? She offered a smile that stretched up to reach a pair of trustworthy eyes. Lily stared ahead dumbly, her reply stuck in her mouth. She didn't know where to begin. Dear? The stranger tried again. Are you quite alright? I, I, I think I might be lost. The words trembled off her lips. The friendly face gasped. Oh no, oh no, what dreadful news. You must come inside at once, dear. We can't have you out in the dark all alone, not with all that's going on in the world. The woman ushered Lily inside and locked the door behind them. Don't worry, the stranger continued. We'll get you home soon enough. Thank you. Lily breathed, relief tingling in her stomach. They continued down a corridor that seemed far too long for the little wooden shack. I'll put on a pot of tea and you can tell me all about yourself. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's getting to the bottom of things. She paused, presenting a hand to shake. How silly of me, I forgot to introduce myself, haven't I? My name's River, River Tramis. I live here with my husband, Theodore, and our son, Theon. I'm Lily, she replied, shaking hands and carrying on down the impossibly long corridor. Lily Luther. Oh, lovely. I've always had a fancy for floral names, you know. Just ask my husband. Once his name our son after a wildflower, but Theodore was having none of it. The river held open a door, motioning for Lily to step inside. It was a sitting room of sorts. There were trees growing through the walls, with jewel decorations hanging from the branches that jutted out far enough. Centred against the furthest wall was a crackling fire, guarded by two ornate grandfather clocks at either side, each displaying different times. In the middle of the room sat a circle of chairs, all of various shapes and sizes and on one of them rested the hugest man Lily had ever seen. The man eyeballed her from the comfort of his rocking chair, addressing his wife. Who's that? Theodore, River gasped. Don't be so rude to our guest. A guest? At this hour? His beard wagged with disapproval. It's already quarter past by bedtime, River. <laughs> Lily squirmed and attempted to speak, but her words came out small and strangled. Sorry, sorry to be a burden, I'm lost. No, no, dear, you're not a burden in the slightest. River landed a playful slap on the back of Theodore's head, but the mountain never flinched. She's lost, Theo. If it was our own boy lost, you would want good folk like us to help him out, wouldn't you? Theodore grumbled to himself, weighing up the situation. I suppose you're right. His voice softened as he looked Lily over. And from which way have you travelled? I don't know, she said, hoping that it was an adequate response. I, I woke up in the f- field. Oh, you poor sweet soul, River cried, handing Lily a steaming cup of tea that she seemed to materialise from nowhere. Why don't you just tell us where you live? 
Theodore leaned over to whisper in his wife's ear, but even his whispers were gigantic. Somewhere far from Capello, judging by those clothes. <laughs> Theodore's a real bitch, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. River gave a curious glance at Lily's outfit, making her shrink self-consciously. She had never heard of Capello before, but Lily hadn't travelled very far in her lifetime, so that wasn't surprising. I'm from Liverpool, she said, assuming they might have guessed as much from her accent. The Thomas's faces fell blank. The Beatles? Theodore's voice hardened again. I've never heard of such a place. Really? Lily couldn't believe that there were people on this earth who had never heard of the Beatles. It's in the northwest. You're in the northwest, dearie, River said, concern growing on her face. As northwest as you can be outside of Andorra anyway. You haven't fled from Andorra, have you, dear? Theodore's eyes narrowed. Why don't you start again with the truth this time? We may come from humble means, but that does not make us idiots. Andorra? Capello? Her eyes darted between the two of them. I am in England, aren't I? You're both speaking English, and I don't think I've been out long enough to leave the country, so... Theodore's frown was a permanent fixture on his face. Lily covered her eyes, trying to block everything out. She was too tired, too confused to make sense of anything. With her one last bright idea, she asked, Can I use your phone, please? Our phone, dear. River's lips moved cautiously as though making a brand new sound. You don't have a phone? Lily flung her arms into the air. Her patience had snapped. Of course not. Of course you don't have a phone. Why would you have a You never even heard of the Beatles, so obviously you wouldn't have a phone. In a panic stupor, she began pacing the floor. Please stop. Theodore asked. You tired of me out walking around like that? Take a seat, girl. Lily moved to the circle of chairs and landed in the nearest one, feeling beaten. I need to go home, she pleaded. You know all that, dear, and we're doing our best, but you're not making it easy for us. You should stay here for tonight, Theodore said, his heart triumphing over his head. The night is no place for little girls. Of course, River nodded. As a mother, I couldn't possibly allow you to set off at this time. But I have a mum of my own and she's going to be worried sick if I don't make it home tonight. Would you rather she worried because you're missing a day longer or cried because you're dead? <laughs> that make better? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be, yeah. Don't scare the girl, Theo. She's clearly confused and you're not helping matters. Well, it's true. Oh, hush. Make yourself useful and go consult a map. Theodore rose slowly, casting a humongous shadow around the room that flickered in the firelight. Two whole strides and he was gone. Here, let me take that. River removed the teacup from Lily's quivering hands. The liquid had splashed onto her bare legs, but she couldn't feel anything. She was too busy searching for reassurance that she hadn't completely lost her mind. Where is she? What's happened? What's going on? Why is Mick Ferry there? <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out in the next instalment. Of Blood Charms. Of bloody Blood Charms. Can't wait to see what accents come throughout the story. I know. Um, so that's the first instalment, yeah? Four? Yeah. Four chapters. So things are hotting up. Yeah. It's 100,000 words, remember, so it's a slow burn, but it paints a picture. Yeah. Gotta be involved in these things. I have to like I have to establish the stakes for Lily being aware from her family before yeah. she gets to Zafira. Yeah, yeah, and you build a backstory of like uh, um like personality and 
where yeah. she's come from and yeah tough times she's a good egg but yeah. she's a troubled egg. Mm. egg so yeah on to chapter five Cinco Cinco Seis Chapter Five Girl Yeah well hope you enjoyed that Um, Thank you